Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, host of Dynasty Game Night. My co-host John Bosch and I created this podcast for one reason, to focus on fun. After all, fun is the reason we all started playing fantasy football in the first place. I love games of all sorts, card games, board games, video games, really any kind of game you can think of. So one day, John and I decided it was time for a podcast where we just play games. You might learn something along the way, but you won't find much hard-hitting analysis here. Check out all the other incredible podcasts DLF has to offer for that sort of thing. On Dynasty Game Night, our primary focus is to entertain. So if you like playing games or watching game shows, this might just be the podcast for you. We'd love for you to give it a listen and play along with the contestants and maybe even win a chance to be on the show. Listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler. With me, Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. Guys, we are uh, about a week away. Week week out from the draft. We've had a little bit of time to let these names and these landing spots, Ryan, simmer. A little bit, so we know a little bit more about what we feel. We've been watching these mock drafts here on DLF, and and we've all been involved in our own drafts and auctions as well. Now that we're we're a week removed, Ryan, how are you feeling about this class? I I, I kind of mentioned it last week. Better and better the more I look at it. Honestly, um, I'm I'm able in in the drafts that I've taken part in so far to to find some guys I like in that third round range, even the fourth round range. So. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about it, actually. Yeah, I've had a lot of the same luck and a lot of the same feelings. Uh, the end of the second round is a little better than it was maybe a week ago, and the end of the third round feels a little bit better than it was a week ago as well. Matt, how about you? You're uh, you're firing off those draft picks and making those auction bids. What are you thinking about this class now that we're oh, about 10 days after the draft? Yeah, I think the, the uncertainty that we see outside of the top four to five picks in, in, one, in a one-quarterback league you know i think that's has allowed people to move around more frequently and make more moves just because you know everybody's got their favorites so and it just seems like there's a big big pretty pretty big tier after that top group so uh it's been nice to see the activity and especially draft based leagues based on that so last year guys we had a lot of fun on an episode about this time of year talking about the veteran winners and losers we we kind of went pick by pick through the first couple of rounds and highlighted some of those uh so those guys who gained a little value and then some that lost as well there's plenty of those changes that we need to talk about for those veterans this year so we thought we'd do the same thing we might as well start right at the top of the draft with the first pick we'll go pick by pick through this cover each team that that made viable moves and get through as many players as we can let's start with trevor lawrence matt because uh it it was it was no surprise to anybody that lawrence went with the number one pick but it certainly affects a lot of the veterans out there I mean, yeah, it's it's pretty easy to say. I think all of the the targets in Jacksonville got an upgrade, right? Uh, th- that that part's easy to talk about. I think now the debate is: Do you prefer DJ Chark, Lavisca Chenault? I'm on Team Chenault, but could certainly see an, an argument for for Chark as the the top target there in the passing offense. But the the thing you really got to talk about in Jacksonville, obviously, is is the second pick, right, with Travis Etienne. 
uh, I, I was I was definitely on record for saying we should consider buying James Robinson earlier this offseason. That kind of blew up in my face. It seems like it's probably pretty much over for Robinson as a significant fantasy contributor. You know, we have the coach speak that says that he's they drafted ETN to be the third down back, but I mean, realistically, I just don't see that happening for for very long. You know, he could get a treatment sort of like you know Jonathan Taylor got last year early in the season where they were mixing in guys. But honestly, Robinson had over 70% of the carries in 2020, uh, 53%, about 53% of the targets out of the running back position for 2020. Uh, so I, I can't see any of that happening again, right? So he is probably, I don't know if he's the biggest loser of the entire draft process, but he, he's got to be close to the top of that. Yeah, really feels like the biggest loser in my opinion. Ryan, how about you with these two big names at the top in the first round, skill players going to Jacksonville. What are your biggest takeaways? Well, I'm kind of like Matt said there. I don't think we'll see, you know, if you're talking about trade value or ADP, I don't think you'll see big changes specifically with the wide receivers because, as you guys have already said, we, we knew this was coming, right? We, we saw the spike for Chark and, and for Chenault uh, really months ago. Uh, I, I did pull some ADP. Matt Matt says that's all I can do, so I wanted to make sure to to at least have that ADP data ready. <laughs> um, comparing April to May data, Chark did get a slight bump, as did Chenault. Uh, Chenault up two spots, Chark up four. But uh, again, as Matt said, it, this is really this conversation is really about James Robinson, and according to that ADP data, he is the big loser. He drops thirty three spots. We're talking about nearly three rounds from April to May. He was the 4.01 uh, in April in our mock drafts uh, ADP and now down to 70 overall. Uh, and honestly, that even feels a little bit high. That's higher than I would take him at this point. So, yeah, it, James Robinson is, I think, from a dynasty standpoint, the big loser from this NFL draft. It's really a shame because after such a big rookie season and coming out of nowhere, so many people were investing, right, Matt? And and they we all we all got kind of duped by that front office and really that coaching staff last year. The changeover at quarter or at with with the coaching staff is really has to be what did it, Matt. That that now all of a sudden they're looking for another weapon out of that backfield. Yeah, and we had, you know, I think he just lost the the game of roulette. You know, I know there was some rumors uh, towards the beginning of the draft, uh, the actual draft, that maybe Jacksonville was going to be interested in there. But we had a few, like four spots, I want to say, uh, with with uh, obviously Jacksonville, Atlanta, Miami, and Arizona, where they could have blown up one of these, you know, lower draft capital style backs, right, that have, have been successful in the past. Uh, and, and, you know, Robinson just, just lost that roulette wheel. You know, we could easily be having the same conversation about, about Mike Davis or Miles Gaskin, or we'll talk about later, or uh, Chase Edmond as well, right? So uh, just unfortunate that we saw such a, you know, a, a player that was able to hang with a high-volume workload, and he's probably just not going to get a chance to do it again without an injury to ETN. It's, it's one last thing to mention about the Jacksonville Jaguars. They did not address the tight end position. So there's, there's the chance that maybe they dabble in whatever's left in free agency. It's kind of odd to me that they didn't want to go that, that way. That would have been nice for Trevor Lawrence. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Let's move on to the second pick, guys. It, it was Zach Wilson, of course, going to the New York Jets. He also got, Ryan, a, a 
a bump. You got to say, you got to say he got some help with this rookie class getting Elijah Moore in the second round and then in the fourth round getting Michael Carter. So they let off day two and three with skill position players. So this can't be good for all the other veterans that are on the roster. A lot of these guys that we're, we're thinking maybe we'll, we'll get some playing time. There's not a lot of playing time to go around because they hit all three of the major positions, quarterback, running back, and wide receiver. Yeah, and this is another pick that we, we knew was coming. So I don't think Zach Wilson is, is, is going to have the type of impact that we expect from Trevor Lawrence. So this is not the kind of situation that we're, we're chasing all of Wilson's pass catchers. We're just not going to see a major, uh, a major bump for Corey Davis or, or, or Denzel Mims. Uh, I actually saw, according to ADP, saw those guys go in two different directions. Davis gained eight spots. Mims lost eight spots. I think that's more of a, uh, more of a result of that Elijah Moore pick in the, uh, in the second round. But, Really, we're talking about guys who are around that 100 overall range. So these are not players you're spending third or fourth round startup picks on. Um, ultimately, I think, it's, I think it's bad news for Denzel Mims. Not only did they already bring in Corey Davis, um, they also brought in um, another receiver as well. I'm, I'm blanking on who that was, but, uh, and, and then they of course go and draft Elijah Moore. So I, I think it's all bad news for Denzel Mims. Um, and then the running back position, you know, LaMichael P Ryan, Tevin Coleman, we were not, I mean, we're barely rostering those guys, let alone counting on them. So, uh, whether Michael Carter turns into anything or not, I, I, I don't think it really has any impact on any other dynasty assets. Matt, with with the added running, we knew the quarterback was going to change over. That didn't really affect any veterans there. Although Jamison Crowder looked to get an upgrade at the quarterback position, now he's going to have to battle for those that that time at wide receiver, or, or really all those veterans are going to have to do that with Elijah Moore, and then and then Michael Carter, his additions. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think Crowder is the probably the biggest loser for me even more so than Mims to be honest with you because I think Mims could still you know he profiles more as that outside wide receiver one type that that, you know who knows if he's going to be that with Corey Davis there now Elijah Moore but Elijah Moore is basically what Crowder is but but kind of juiced up right so like it seems like that role is pretty written in stone for Moore at this point so Crowder I mean, I don't know. He's he's such the reliable guy. He had lots of lots of good fantasy usage last season for us, but it doesn't seem like it's going to happen again. At least with the Jets, maybe he's a, a candidate to be moving on at some point. I was going to say, I'm surprised he's even still on this roster. Yeah, I think they can yeah. save uh, ten ten or twelve million by cutting him. So uh, I I think that's almost a certainty at this point. Uh, and then we'll see what happens. You know, he could he could turn out to be a winner if he lands in the right spot you know he's he signs with with Tennessee and now we're we're chasing Crowder again yeah absolutely yeah so a guy that could pick up value if he is released last note on the Jets they did invest that second first round pick in that offensive line so certainly helping out with Zach Wilson and and the rest of those offensive weapons that are left over should have mentioned the same thing in Jacksonville Walker Little in the second round another offensive tackle there to help out ETN Lawrence and then the veteran receivers uh let's move on to Trey Lance the number three pick in the draft San Francisco a surprise to some and what was expected to others 
Uh, Lance ends up with the 49ers that, of course, Jimmy Garoppolo is in tow there. He's, he was uh, rumored to be replaced sooner rather than later. Now we got to worry about when Garoppolo gets replaced in these super flex leagues, Ryan. We also have to worry about those, those targets, how they're going to be spread around with a little more mobile quarterback. What are your thoughts about the veterans in San Francisco now that Lance is there, along with uh, running back Trey Sermon, who came along in the third round? Well, it obviously hurts Jimmy Garoppolo, but from a one quarterback standpoint, I mean, he, he was, he was, he really had very little value to begin with. Uh, in Superflex, it hurts, a, a, it hurts a lot, actually, because even though he's, he's that low end starter, um, if you've got that guy on your roster, if he's your quarterback three and now you're looking at him as either he might not start or he's got one more year, whatever the situation ends up being. You know that that stings in super flex league, so it it certainly hurts those who had Garoppolo on their roster. Uh, as far as what it does to you know Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, I, I'm not sure. I think that's that's one reason Trey Lance is kind of drawing that that project label, which I don't think is fair. But I think there's just a lot of we're not sure what this offense is going to be. Uh, I, I am excited about Lance. I, I think. Uh, ultimately it will be an upgrade for the offense as a whole and, and for all those key pieces uh, there right now uh, again looking at ADP their their value is kind of just holding steady so maybe there's a lot of uncertainty around the dynasty community uh, and, and then at running back you know it's not just Sermon but they had Elijah Mitchell on day three as well they had already signed Wayne Gallman so now we've got five bodies in that backfield you assume one of those guys at least will not make the the 53-man roster sermon certainly uh, is is going to be one of those guys that's on that team and and i think he has a chance to to be the key piece uh in that backfield uh he he saw a big boost not only in our startup adp but in rookie drafts as well obviously yeah, it really feels like Sermon was one of the biggest jumpers as far as draft uh, draft capital, rookie draft capital goes, and that's got to take away from somebody, Matt. So if if Sermon takes away from from the opportunities in that backfield, who do you think uh, suffers the most? I think it's I think it's going to be Mostert to start the season with with Sermon mixed in, and then the rest of the guys I think are going to be playing for that that next role of the the back that that Shanahan likes to mix in. If you we could add a sixth guy too there if we if we added back Jamichael Hasty to the group who who had a, a couple of I think a couple of games last season right where he looked pretty good as the next next man up. So it just seems like it's more of the same there. I think Sermon will emerge eventually, but you know, and Mostert certainly didn't have a good second half of the season last year after being being hurt but he did have those two runs where he was the fastest the fastest run in the entire league right so he still got some speeds got some something to offer it but you have to think at some point sermon's just going to going to take this if Shanahan wants to go to more of that you know that 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 bell cow role which it seems uncertain at this point yeah, it, it's kind of a murky situation at best when it comes to those running backs because Shanahan likes to mix those guys in no matter what. It seems like he'll suddenly give his starter of three or four weeks a week off because of injury. <laughs> uh, and then that guy, the guy who takes over, takes takes the load on his back and, and, he, for a few and weeks. he just keeps going. Yeah, for a few weeks even. You have to play this backfield in windows, right? Like you're going to have the three games of Sermon, you're going to have the three games of Wilson, you're going to have three games of Mostert. You just got to figure out 
which one that is. But, you know, for a, for a team that's built around wide receivers, there's, you know, some kind of opportunity there if you can play it right and figure out when which back is going to play. Yeah, it's going to be maddening for sure. And I think I think this is really why the James Robinson thing stings so much is because most of these players that we can say are hurt production-wise, they just weren't carrying the value. Yeah, obviously Mostert or, or Wilson – their production is not going to be what it might have been if, if they didn't make this Trey Sermon pick. But they also weren't really being valued as fantasy starters anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it hurts, but it's almost like most of these moves, we saw it coming. Yeah. The next pick in the NFL draft was tight end Kyle Pitts to the Atlanta Falcons. We probably don't have to t- spend a whole lot of time on this one, guys. Uh, there's the Julio Jones rumors. Is he going to be moved, and how's that going to affect things? Mostly, uh, the quarterback situation gets an uptick because he gets another weapon. Um, he's not much of a blocker. There's not really a running game there right now anyway. So I think we can probably bypass Pitts and jump right over to Jamar Chase. Ryan, Chase is going to help out the quarterback. He's going to take away from somebody, though, because he's going to be on the field all the time. There's a big debate in the dynasty community. Who's who's going to be off the field more? Who? Where do you come out on this? Um, I, I think they're going to get all of these guys on the field. I think all three of them are talented wideouts. Of course, talking about Chase, uh, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd. But looking at the ADP, this is this is one of the most clear-cut situations of any of these draft picks. T. Higgins drops a full round in ADP, 12 spots. Tyler Boyd drops 17 spots. And Joe Burrow rises 12 spots. Uh, so exactly what you said, Dan. The, uh, it, it's good news for Joe Burrow. And, and Chase's production is going to come at the expense of the other two players. Um Ultimately, I'm buying any kind of discount on the wide receivers. They still don't really have a tight end to speak of. Joe Mixon, uh, unfortunately, can't seem to stay on the field. Hopefully, he can change that. But I think all three of these players can be productive, uh, similar to what we saw with Dallas last year. Matt, how about you? What are your thoughts on this wide receiver situation now that there's three relatively big names in Cincinnati? I do think I do think Higgins has to come down a little bit. He was being ranked borderline, if not in the in, in, as a wide receiver one in the last couple of months of ADP. Correct me if I'm yep, wrong there, Ryan. Correct. But uh, you know, I think he has to come down a little bit. He's he, he's still going to be valuable. He's still going to be productive. But I do think he's probably going to be a little more frustrating week to week. You know, have that three touchdown game and then you know the the the, the fadeaway week the following week. But I think the same thing could be said said for Pitt or excuse me for Chase as well, just because of how good Higgins is. To me, Boyd is the clear loser unless they just stick him in that slot role and leave him there. Then I mean, I guess there's a case to be made for him maintaining his current value. Uh, but I don't. I, I wouldn't consider him a buy personally. The thing that hurts is we were all expecting this second year jump from T. Higgins, especially, mm-hmm. and it's just hard to see him getting the amount of targets that are going to be necessary for him to make the big splash and become that top-end wide receiver two or anything like that now that Chase is on the field. Last note about the Bengals, guys. I think we have to mention Mixon as a winner because Cincinnati addressed the offensive line multiple times. In the second round, they picked guard Jackson Carmen. Then in the fourth and sixth round, they took interior or interior offensive lineman Trey Hill and uh, Dante Smith, the offensive tackle, in the fourth round. So 
Um, even though they took Chris Evans, the speedy running back from Michigan, it looks like Mixon is going to have another chance to make a big jump for Dynasty owners if if he can stay healthy. How about Jalen Waddle landing in Miami, Matt? Because this is this is a a fun landing spot for sure. All the weapons are in place. There's there's lots of stuff happening for Tua. That offense should be uh, all go all the time, really, in Miami. How do you think his landing with the Dolphins impacts the rest of those veterans on that team? It seems like we know the Dolphins want to want to want to play fast, right? <laughs> they they brought in Will Fuller, they brought in Jalen Waddle, two guys that are very very fast. It seems like Parker is basically a replacement level outside receiver at this point. So, you know, maybe he sticks around a bit. Maybe he can carve out a role as like a possession guy, but that hasn't really been his game traditionally. Um, Preston Williams, like you would like to think that he could come back and still be maybe a possession guy. Maybe he's the one and not Parker if he can come back. Uh, but Parker, I, I don't know, like the, 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 the decrease in production between Fitzpatrick and two was pretty stark. I thought last season, and uh, now he now now Tua you assume was in that decision making process a little bit. He got the receiver that he wanted. He got another another speed another speed guy on the outside. So I think the rest of the guys are just you know competing for scraps. Uh, and then at, at tight end we didn't mention him yet, but Hunter Long they also drafted at three eighteen. I don't he's probably going to be more used as a blocker. I would assume I don't, I don't, him and Gusecki are probably not going to neither of them are probably going to work out as a fantasy option, right? And then at I'll, I'll just keep going because nobody's stopping me. At running back, Gaskin was kind of a winner, I guess. Uh, I'm not sure I would really go and invest. I think I might actually take this opportunity to sell. You might miss up miss out this year on production, but I wouldn't want to be caught holding that bag uh, if I can get out on him because uh, you know Ahmed played well when he got an opportunity last season as well. Of course, when 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 Gaskin came back for energy uh, injury, he completely. Uh, canceled out Ahmed so you know maybe it is Gaskin for the whole the whole year I don't know I like that advice though move on from him now while he holds that value people will be looking at him as a guy that can have a big season and and they're going to pay for that right now and still there are veterans out there that could be added to that team and and totally sabotage that value we're going to jump right to Devonta Smith or Devontae Smith at 10 Ryan he goes to the Philadelphia Eagles they've invested heavily with these draft picks uh, at the wide receiver position, now that quarter, the young quarterback has some another weapon. This team seems like they want to get speedy. They want to go down the field, and they added another guy that can do that. Yeah, they they obviously had to upgrade that wide receiver uh, spot and and depth chart, despite spending these multiple first and, and second round picks on wideouts in recent years. Uh, I, I still have some hope for for Jalen Rager. He did fall a little bit. Uh, from April to May, ADP down about half a round. Uh, but I think De- Smith has to be the favorite to be the wide receiver one on this team right now. We know he is another guy reunited with a former college teammate in in Jalen Hurts. Uh, so I, I, I think it's as simple as it's good news for Hurts and uh, maybe slightly bad news for Rager. Matt, we should briefly touch on Carrion Johnson being added to the backfield in Philadelphia. Also, they they made a draft pick late in the draft, Kenneth Gainwell, fifth round pick. What are your thoughts on Sanders and and how he holds on to this like bell cow type role in Philadelphia? I, I made a tweet yesterday that I didn't think was really that much of a hot take, but I think pretty sure it's my most liked and retweeted tweet of all time. Uh, and it said it just said something to the effect of. Uh, on Johnson was not a threat to DeAndre Swift, but he is to Miles Sanders. I just, I, I just don't see it. Like, I like, 
carry on Johnson is a waiver wire back. He, he is not a threat to anybody. If, he, if he's a threat to anything, he's, he's threats for a threat for uh, competition to be Sanders backup. If something's to happen, I think it's going to be Gainwell or Scott that plays that, that change of pace role, not carry on Johnson. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I'm not going to say that, that Gainwell can't take some, some, some workload there. He was, is a very good receiver, maybe the best patch catcher in the entire class, to be honest with you, but we haven't seen him for a year. We don't know what, uh, he looks like, and they spent what was it a fourth round pick on him? So you know, not not a not a not a crap ton of capital, right? So I don't know. I, I still think Sanders is is locked in for for running back one touches as long as he can be healthy. I think he showed enough last year, even in a dis- relatively disappointing season when he missed four games, that uh, he's head and shoulders above re- the rest of the backs on this roster. So I'm not I'm not worried about Sanders yet. I'm not worried either. If there was any news that would affect Sanders, it's probably that they invested in that interior offensive line early in the second round when they picked uh, center Landon Dickerson, who is widely regarded the best center in the draft. So so trying to help out that running game, help out the young quarterback in that passing game as well in Philadelphia. Let's move on to pick 11 in the draft. Ryan, it was Justin Fields. Chicago moves up. They gave up the future first-round pick. It was a great move for the Bears. As a as a Packer fan, I gotta say I was a little bit disappointed that the Bears ended up with a guy with his type of upside. But as far as the weapons in Chicago, there's one that we've all been thinking as dynasty managers has just wanted so badly to have a, a great quarterback, somebody that can deliver the ball. Looks like he might have it as early as maybe even week one, right? Yeah, finally some good news and a good quarterback for Allen Robinson, at least uh, what we think is a good quarterback. As far as Andy Dalton, I mean, kind of similar to what we said about Garoppolo. No, really no effect in one quarterback because you, you just didn't care anyway. Um, and, and that's almost the case in, in Superflex as well. I mean, that's that's kind of what Dalton is at this point. He's he's not a guy that we can count on as, as a long-term starter anywhere. So um, we'll see. It's only a matter of time before Fields takes over that job. But, yeah, I think it's it's good news certainly for Robinson, for Darnell Mooney. I think Tariq Cohen is kind of a an underrated winner here as well. I agree with that for sure. Matt, is there is there a reason or is there anything else in Chicago that you wanted to to highlight? No, just may, maybe Cole Komet as well. You know, yeah. sure. Played could be a winner uh, played well sure. with Ruck, Rucker as a tight end in, in college, right? So you know we could see Fields and Komet have some kind of connection in his second year, and, and maybe be valued in that back end tight end one where I think he currently is, right? So you know maybe not a lot of room to, to move, but you know it, it seems like any handful of guys every year can move into the the you know the tight end six, seven, eight range into that middle tight end one range. I, I like that. Um, the Bears didn't address the running back position till the sixth round. Khalil Herbert. Who, who many people are liking as a as a late third or fourth round rookie pick. Um, he was added to the roster. So, it, it, you know, with all the offensive line picks they made, they got Trevin Jenkins in the second round, made a couple of uh, of third-day picks on the offensive line as well. That's got to that's gotta at least help out David Montgomery's value a little bit. So there's the potential for that. And pick 15 in the NFL draft, Matt. It was Mac Jones going to the Patriots. They were able to stick and pick and still get that quarterback um, did not one note on that. They didn't pick an offensive lineman in the draft, which was kind of unique. That was an interesting, um, situation, I guess, but Mac Jones landing in new England is, are there any real winners or losers when it comes to, when it comes to veterans outside of Cam Newton? 
No, I, I was going to say just just Cam Newton. I mean, there is. Don't you think there's a possibility that Jones starts the season as a as, as the, begins the season as a starter? Because these offenses, they seem like they're going to be they have to be very different for these two quarterbacks. That could not be more different, right? So, unless they're just going to develop two offenses right from the get go, it seems like Cam might be out of a job sooner than than later. It really feels that way. Yes. Brian Sorry, I think that's a good point, Matt. And, and I mean, Cam's money is, is so low that, I mean, maybe maybe he's not even on this roster uh, on week he's one. He's the goal line back. Yeah. He's the goal line back. <laughs> they drafted one of oh, those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How the mighty have fallen, if, the, if that's the case. If he's dropped before the season, that'd be... That'd be a real situation there. Um, the The Patriots also picked a running back in in the middle rounds, Ramondre Stevenson, round four, pick fifteen. Uh, another guy for Bill Belichick to mix in his backfield a couple times a season. Um, pick twenty in the draft, the Giants traded all the way down to twenty, then got Kadarius Tony, another wide receiver. Matt, I know you haven't been a big Kadarius Tony fan, but there are already wide receivers on this roster that we're expecting to get on the field. Tony being a gadget type player, slot guy, a guy that can move around the formation, that's got to take away from somebody's snaps. Yeah, I mean, it's just, there's just so many of those wide receiver two types here. It's just who emerges. I think, I guess you have to put the money on Tony, and I know I've been very critical of him and that pick, but. Uh, Paul Pertichese over at Saturday to Sunday, he's he's kind of convinced me a little bit that I'm probably way too low on Tony. So uh, that that's likely an oversight. Still, though, I just think it's so crowded behind uh, behind Galladay. You know, I mean, you could easily see 2022 Kadarius Tony and and Galladay. Those are the two receivers. But I also we have questions about the quarterback as well. You know, Evan Ingram's also going to play in that area of the field. So they're going to have to be creative with him. Uh, Jason Garrett is not awe-inspiring, but Paul points out that you know he could be gone pretty early in the season. That the head coach Joe Judge is not going to just let him ruin the offense. So you know if that's the case, and they get somebody in that's going to use Tony in a creative way, uh, then sure, uh, it could certainly happen. He's probably the favorite to be the wide receiver two entering 2022. So uh, into the first round, no problem with that pick. What do you think, Ryan? As far as the as, as far as the Giants go and the, the quarterback posi- position and everything, Jones has to be at least considered a semi-winner for getting another another weapon, right? Yeah, I think so. And and I haven't. He's another player I haven't given up on. Um, certainly a frustrating 2020 season, but we we saw some flashes. The Giants saw some flashes uh, in 2019. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm holding out hope for Daniel Jones. Uh, dynasty managers must agree with with Matt though, because Kenny Galladay actually gained value according to ADP after this Tony edition. He's up five spots, and honestly, I mean Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, you know those guys are are fine, but that's that's pretty much it. Um, so if if Tony ends up taking one of those spots again, that's not a player you were uh, looking at with as a fantasy starter or even as someone who had a lot of upside. And I believe this is Shepard's uh, last year of his contract as well. Yeah, those are just guys that they're not even guys you're you're really excited about starting on, through bye weeks and, and when there's injuries on your roster. So getting to see Tony, some new blood in that offense. Let's see what these these offensive play callers and the and the coaching staff can do with a, a playmaker like him. I've, I've been a little bit more bullish on Tony and feel like he'll, as long as he stays 
uh, healthy that he'll be a big-time playmaker. And, and he could help Jones out and potentially even help that running game out, create opportunities for Saquon Barkley as well. In Pittsburgh, thinking about running backs here, Najee Harris was was selected by the Steelers at the 22nd pick, Matt. And this was the marriage that we were all hoping for. But the problem here is the offensive line has been such a problem. They, they made second-day, third-day picks in the third and fourth round with a uh, with a couple of offensive linemen to hopefully help that out. Also, blocking tight end Tat, Pat Fryermuth in the second round. Um, it, as a whole, in Pittsburgh, who do you see as the winners and losers when it comes to the veterans? Uh... I don't know. I don't think anybody. Hard to find any, huh? <laughs> I don't think there is. I don't think there is. I guess Roethlisberger. He has somebody he can not get can hand the ball off reliably to, and not not have to feel like he has to do everything himself. Uh, but like you said, the line is bad. I read something, and I can. I'm not going to be able to pull the two names. But there were two projected starters before the draft that had one combined start between the two of them. So it just. I mean. We said this last week. I think Najee Harris is is probably the better play over Travis Etienne for year one, absolutely, but it's purely volume-based. He is a good receiver. He's even like a weapon out of the backfield, to be honest with you, but they have three very good wide receivers as well. So, you know, how much are they going to throw it to him? I just I, – I like I like the pick. I like the fit. I just I, – I, beyond year one, I have questions, I guess, because what happens to, to the entire office? What happens to Roethlisberger? Is the offensive line going to get better? Is it going to be a really bad quarterback and a bad offensive line? Because that's not a great outlook for Harris long-term, in my opinion. Ryan, Eric Ebron is still in Pittsburgh, and now Pat Fryermuth is there as well. Ebron will get on the field, of course, but in the, as a long-term prospect, Ebron's time there in Pittsburgh can't be long. Right. I think we have to assume this is Ebron's final season. We could, we could maybe even assume this is Roethlisberger's final season. And, and I wonder, with the addition of, uh, of Harris and of uh, Fryermuth, how much it hurts this trio of wide receivers? Because right now, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, Chase Claypool, and Deontay Johnson are all being drafted in the top 55 overall players. Um, first of all, very, you know, very small chance just the competition between the three that that they could all three return value on that. But now, if we assume that the offense is is going to be a little bit more balanced, uh, pass versus run and that Fryermuth is going to take some looks as well, and Najee Harris is going to take some targets as well. Um, all three of those wide receivers, who I, I really like all three talent-wise, um, I, I, I kind of think they're all being overvalued right now. Yeah, that whole situation in Pittsburgh is one to monitor because, as you said, there's lots of weapons. they got to spread the ball around. They have an aging quarterback who showed a little bit of a dead arm late last season and an offensive line that has been in shambles recently. They, that Kendrick Green, the third-round offensive guard that, that played a little center at Illinois as well, he is a very good player, and he's going to help sure up that offensive line. But there was more than, as Matt alluded to, more than one hole on that offensive line. They're, they're going to have to do some work around there. Let's move on to Rashad Bateman. All of our one of our favorites for the, on the podcast. We all have a soft spot for Rashad Bateman and his upside. He goes to Baltimore at 27 overall. The the Ravens of course invested in wide receiver again in round 4 with what we consider to be a little bit of value with Tylen Wallace. So the 
the, the situation for Lamar Jackson, Ryan, he gets a couple more weapons. They already have a few weapons in place, and he is the ultimate weapon. If there's a winner, it's probably got to be Jackson. Let's just see if he can get, get a little bit more accurate, deliver the ball on time, and make a few more plays with his arms so he doesn't have to rely on his legs quite as much. Yeah, every month in, in ADP and, and really in our DLF rankings as well, we see the quarterbacks from two to maybe two to six or seven shift in in a different order. Uh, Lamar Jackson's back up to quarterback three. He gained 24 spots. He's up two rounds from his April ADP, um, even with the addition of, of Bateman and of Tylen Wallace. I, I was shocked to see that jump from him, that he's back ahead of – uh, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, and Justin Herbert. Um, so I don't know. I mean, we we did see Marquise Brown drop a little. If those are the expectations for Lamar Jackson, that he's he's basically going to have a a Josh Allen type season, I'm I'm not sure that that's realistic at this point. Matt, how about you? What are your thoughts with with Jackson and and really all the other veterans on this team? Is there is there a big winner, a big loser, or are you kind of like Ryan, where where yeah, they got him in a couple more weapons, but really overall, it's going to be the same old, same old. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, this this I guess isn't really this isn't really about the the, the veterans so much, but for Bateman specifically, I, I did move him down a little bit, but I do have a little bit of, uh, you know, AJ Brown hesitation here as well. Mm-hmm. You know, we knocked him for his landing spot as well. I know it's a very different situation, but still a run heavy team with Der- Derrick Henry there. Right. So, you know, could he do, could he have a similar rookie season, you know, maybe not the same production numbers, but, you know, at least at least usage and what we see out of him on the field, like A.J. Brown did in his first season. And that changes how we feel about the Baltimore offense. I mean, I don't I don't I don't think so, but I do have a little bit of remorse that way. Like I, I'm, I'm worried that I'm going to miss out on Bateman because we're worried about this landing spot again. And I think that Jackson is not necessarily as bad of a passer as we thought. It's just that offense. Is that offense going to let him pass more? And that's the, the question that we're, we're all trying to answer. I don't think any of us are going to have that answer. Uh, but obviously Marquise Brown, you know, is a reliable target. Not that he was ever a reliable target for us, but he was, I believe, getting like 30% of the, the target share down the stretch last season, uh, the second half of the season. Um, and that's certainly not going to happen again, right, if, if Bateman is who the, 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 the organization and we think he is. You know, we, we always wanted, or at least I always wanted, Lamar Jackson to have that reliable veteran receiver that's going to be in a spot where he knows he's, where Jackson knows he's going to be and is going to be that safety valve. And, you know, Bateman isn't the veteran that's going to do that, but he is a, a player who can be used all over the field like that, someone who can be reliable on third down. It's not all going to fall to Mark Andrews. So in that regard, uh, I do think it greatly benefits Jackson. And, I mean, he was he, Jackson was always my quarterback, too. I never really moved him. So uh, that doesn't really have an effect on his value for me. But I can understand why the community thinks so. And if, and if you don't think so, then presents a sell opportunity. It presents us. It, it feels like one of those situations where there's going to be buyers and there's going to be sellers, and there's a clear line in between. It's really what you think Jackson can do if he's going to take a step up as a passer. It's, it's interesting that they got got him this weapons, these weapons. Now we just have to see if he can he can really take advantage of it and and see how that plays out. I'm I'm. It's one of the biggest storylines of the season, in my opinion. 
Let's get through some of these teams that didn't invest in big-time playmakers in the first round but waited a little longer, and that started early in round two, Ryan. It was Javante Williams going to Denver with the third pick in the second round. Clearly, this affects Melvin Gordon. However, I don't think a lot of dynasty managers were expecting to get big contributions from Gordon outside of maybe 2021, not a lot longer beyond that. Right, maybe you were hoping for that one more year of Melvin Gordon as a uh, as a low end RB two or something like that. And you're probably not going to get that at this point with Williams there. Uh, certainly wouldn't be surprised if if Williams uh, ended up the starter sooner rather than later ahead of Gordon. Or uh, I'm not sure what his his contract looks like, but uh, maybe Gordon is is gone if if they somehow save money uh, by by dumping him before the season starts. So yeah, love, love the Williams landing spot here. And yeah, obviously bad news for Melvin Gordon. And, you know, maybe, maybe the biggest storyline of, of Denver's draft, Matt, is that they passed on the quarterback early in the draft, right? They go with Pat Sertain, the the second, and, and they, they say no to fields really. So another weapon in this offense for, I guess, whoever's under center in Denver, Matt, what are your thoughts as far as winners and losers go? Uh, there's there's nobody outside of Gordon, really. I mean, I don't. I there's no winner. There's no winners in in Denver. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not not in terms of the veterans, right? I mean, I guess you could say it's it's Drew Locke, but not. I mean, not really. Melvin Gordon is fine as fine as a pass catcher. Uh, I don't think he's going anywhere. He'll he'll have a nine million dollar cap hit this season, about nine million six and a half in debt if they were to release him. So probably not going anywhere. But that doesn't mean Williams isn't just better right away, right? Sure. Williams is a fine pass catcher in his own right. Maybe not quite, uh, you know, down the field, uh, but certainly as a dump off option. And I don't think you're going to need more than that with the other weapons they have in that offense. So uh, I think the whole organization loses because they didn't take take Justin Fields. To be <laughs> honest with you, unless they unless somehow Aaron Rodgers Rodgers does still end up in Denver, which seems like, you know, like one of the very few places it could, it could, he could go to if that trade is going to happen. So, uh, yeah. Why do you sound so sad about that? <laughs> I'm I, so, I can't even get, get it out without just feeling like a clouds over my head. You know? <laughs> wow. I thought, I Matt's thought we were rooting for that at this over point. <laughs> for fantasy you're on your own you're for on your own on that sure. one McDowell. uh so they go with certain early then javante williams another addition that could help that offense in the third round quinn minerts out of wisconsin whitewater a center that could be a guard in the nfl he uh he was getting a little late first round early second round buzz fell all the way to the end of the third round he could be a player for them down the line as well and help out that offense how about the next guy on the list that we all need to talk about matt because it's one of your guys it's rondale moore he goes in the middle of the second round so gets the draft capital that we were hoping for for the most part to arizona and uh lines up with all those receivers already with the cardinals I, I, I absolutely love it. He goes to a, hor- a very horizontal offense. This is what we need Rondale more in. It's going to be like the two little guys out there, the mighty mites or whatever you want to call them with Kyler, the tiny quarterback, and Rondale, the tiny receiver. It's going to be so fun, I think. Um, and for me, the loser in that situation has got to be Kirk. He's never really he, – he, I mean, he's been fine, but he has never really worked out as the outside option. Uh, 
and I think Rondale Moore is going to eat his lunch in the slot. So, uh, and then I think you have to think about Edmonds too. You know, he seems like a winner because they didn't go after a running back. They just only brought in James Conner, and we, you know, who knows how much of a competition that's going to be. Maybe Conner takes a lot of the, the the short yardage and goal line work away from Edmonds. I think I read something. Edmonds has has had one goal line carry in the last two seasons in uh, total in the last two seasons uh, with Arizona. So there's potential for him to lose value there. And, you know, Rondell Moore can be that extension of the running game and, and take a lot of those short receptions from him. So for me, even though Edmonds feels like a winner because we avoided one of the big three uh, running backs in the draft, you know, based on what that offense is and who they did bring in uh, that uh, that aren't running backs, inclu- which, you know, specifically Rommel Moore, I think he could be considered a loser in this as well as Kirk. I totally agree. And, and I wonder if if fantasy players, dynasty players agree with you, Matt. I was I was shocked to see Chase Edmonds actually lose some value. According to ADP, he dropped seven spots since April. A wow. uh, little, little surprising there. Actually, very surprising. But uh, when you dig a little deeper, as you just did, I, I, I do think it makes some sense. Uh, and I also agree. I love Moore's landing spot here in Arizona. Uh, I mean, they've they've tried it with Christian Kirk. They've tried it with Andy Isabella. Uh, honestly, those guys have just not worked out and, and not really made a difference on that roster. I'm not scared of AJ Green either when it comes to um, Moore's playing time or chances at production so love this landing spot here yeah the landing spot is great the quarterback is great the off the creative offensive play caller that's great still the offensive line trouble that they've had in Arizona it's going to linger into 2021 create problems for that for that quarterback and and really that offense in general they waited till the seventh round to address the uh, one of the biggest needs on their team when they picked Michael Monet the center out of Penn State that Man, it just scratched my head on day three. Why aren't we investing multiple picks on that offensive line try to fix one of these one of the bigger problems on the team? Hopefully that that, that play calling and the quarterback and all the skill there can can get the ball out of his hands and, and get it into the hands of guys like Moore and, and those guys that can make big plays. Let's move on to another wide receiver that goes in the middle to late part of the second round. Seattle had three picks in the draft, and their first one came at pick 224, or 24 in the second round. It was Dwayne Eskridge, the wide receiver, uh, a shifty slot guy, a guy that can, can be used in multiple ways, Matt. He lands in Seattle where we are already depending on two wide receivers in an offense that, that they want to get back to running the football. Does Eskridge, you know, is it a slight bump to Russell Wilson? Is it Does it hurt either one of these receivers? Uh, what are your thoughts on Eskridge landing with the Seahawks in round two? I don't think it's bad for Russell Wilson, so we can get, we can call him a winner, I, a, a slight winner, I guess, like a like a point one increase in value. I don't know, uh, but it does. It seems like a little bit of a weird pick. I guess there were some rumors or something that the Rams might want him. So Seattle, of course, had to spite the Rams and go grab. It really, 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 really hurt the Rams' feeling and not getting Dwayne Eskridge. I'm sure, but to me, he feels like a like Tyler Lockett insurance almost. Like if there was something that happened to Lockett, if he was to get hurt, then Eskridge could probably slot in and play that role. Uh, you know, that's not really doing doing justice to the ability that Tyler Lockett has, though. So I don't know. A, a, a nice third option, uh, but they also brought in Gerald Everett, who I expect to be you know you know decent in that area of the f- same area of the field where Eskridge is going to operate. Um, so I don't know. It seems kind of like a lateral move, just a like almost, I want to call. I don't want to call it a luxury pick because I don't know if Eskridge is a is a luxury item, but you know it's something that doesn't really feel feel a big need uh, for that team. 
Yeah, it doesn't fill a big need. And again, it sounds like a broken record, but one of their biggest needs, offensive <laughs> line, and they yep. really don't address it. Wait till the sixth round to pick one. Such a such a weird decision making system that they're using in Seattle with the with a GM that is traditionally done really, really well. So Ryan, do you have any thoughts about Eskridge landing there and, and what he does or doesn't do for that offense? Yeah, I'm not sure he does much. They're they're already talking I think you kinda said this, Dan, about using Eskridge in different ways and getting them getting him the ball in multiple ways other than just as a wide receiver and you just wonder again with only three picks like what what are they doing here just doesn't 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 make much sense didn't add up yeah that you know Lockett has been used in that way a little bit little a few tunnel screens and some of that that quick game stuff it could potentially take a few touches away from him as early as his rookie year but but I don't think anybody's really too scared of what Eskridge could do to either one of those receivers in Seattle. Uh, a speedy wideout went on the next pick with the 25th pick in the second round to the Rams. It was 2-2 Atwell, the undersized but speedy guy out of Louisville. Ryan, your neck of the woods down there. And Atwell was was really coming into the draft, was uh, regarded highly by some and, and very, very slightly, maybe is the right word for him, by others because of his... His small stature, he is a speed demon. He can make big plays, and in a Rams offense, another creative one, uh, there's the potential for him to take away opportunities from other weapons. He's 148 pounds. Uh, uh, That's it. That's... I, I mean, when when that if you're not scared, you're not scared of him taking anything away from the, those jet sweeps away from Robert Woods or anything like that. No, no, uh, I'm I'm scared for him when he gets hit by by some of these defenders. <laughs> uh, I mean, we Dan, you and I talked about it when that official uh, measurement came in that that we got from Indy that he was uh, five, I think it was five six or five seven and 148 pounds. You said he won't even get drafted. He will not get drafted. And uh, I thought he would get drafted. I thought that was a little bit of an exaggeration, but I thought he, I thought he, meant, he, thought he went from uh, day two to day three pick, and, and that didn't happen. He's a second rounder here. I, I, I can't believe it. It really doesn't add up. They, they must have a specific role that they need him to play, and I, I personally am fearful that it is that jet sweep player then, and Robert Woods, who hasn't fit perfectly into that role and, and only got it once or twice a game, but certainly it was a part of, of what he could do. He did it around the goal line, scored a couple rushing touchdowns. I think there's the potential that some of that goes away. Now, at the goal line, you need a little bigger guy like Woods to take those carries if you're going to run those kind of jet sweeps inside the five-yard line. Tutu Atwell might not be that guy. But I feel like... McVeigh and that front office, they wouldn't spend this kind of pick on a gadget player unless they had a specific role for him. Matt, do you have any other feelings on Atwell landing with the Rams? I just don't know if we can say that, Dan. They they overdrafted a wide receiver in the second round mm-hmm. last year, too, that didn't make a lot of sense to anybody else. So I don't know. They they Is he going to be better than Deshaun Jackson next year? Is Deshaun Jackson – I just – if Deshaun Jackson is healthy, I don't see how that's possible. I, I think they want him to be that kind of speed element for them. Maybe maybe it is as a gadgety player. 
Uh, but is that really worth a second round pick? And if not, like how rare is Deshaun Jackson, that, that kind of archetype of receiver? Like there's not many of his size and speed that have done what he does. And to, to, to count on Atwell as like the, the, the heir apparent to, to Deshaun Jackson, if you will, like that doesn't seem like a smart move to me. So I don't know what the, necessarily what the Rams were, were thinking here. And if it was as a gadget guy, that seems very, very highly overdrafted considering some of their needs on defense. Yeah, another team that d- didn't address the offensive line in the entire draft, yeah, and they yeah, have an aging you. offensive line. So and an older uh, quarterback now, and an older quarterback. It's it's crazy. Stafford, uh, I like what he's going to do there with those weapons already there. I don't know if Atwell adds enough to even give him a bump, though. He already got it by moving from Detroit to Los Angeles. We need to talk about Terrace Marshall, guys. He slipped to the end of the second round. Crazy when when we I was putting together this sheet and I saw these names. Uh, Dwayne Eskridge and Tutu Atwell went uh, uh, within the three or four picks before Terrace Marshall went off the board at 27 in the second round at Carolina. Pretty nice landing spot, Ryan. Um, there, there's quarterback questions, of course. There's some offensive line concerns. There's obviously other receivers already on that roster. But Marshall, even though he slipped, that doesn't seem all that bad. No, I love the landing spot. Reunited with his former offensive coordinator uh, from his from his LSU days, uh, you know, it seemed like there were the the medical reports that we heard about uh, a few days before the draft that uh, you know reportedly could cause or or did cause Marshall to slip. There were also some some rumors about maybe uh, bad interviews or poor attitude in general. Maybe that was a contributing factor as well. Regardless, I like the landing spot. Uh, of course, the Panthers lose Curtis Samuel, so uh, definitely not the same type of player, but some targets maybe to go around. And, and we saw a little bit of, of a fall for both of his new teammates. DJ Moore drops five spots in ADP. Robbie Anderson drops 10 spots in ADP. Just another weapon. It has to be good news for Sam Darnold. Yeah, good news for Sam Darnold. I think the same. I think there are a lot of us as dynasty managers that are holding on to that shred of hope that he still has that top, uh, the the upside that he had when he was picked in the top five of the NFL draft. Matt, when it comes to Marshall and maybe even some of these other options, Chuba Hubbard went there in the fourth round. In the third round, they took tight end Tommy Tremble, which is a little bit more of that H-back blocking type tight end. That, but But in Carolina, there's room for a tight end to make an impact in that offense. There is because Ian Thomas is is nothing. He's not going He's to not a thing. <laughs> not a, not ever going to be a thing apparently. And also, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of a low key winner. Christian McCaffrey is going to go right back to that ninety five percent plus whatever it is workload that he gets as long as he can remain healthy. Because I don't think Hubbard is going to. Uh, really be much of a threat there. Uh, and then for for the wide receivers, I think, and I guess I guess you could say Anderson today is maybe a little bit of a loser. Maybe he's he has still has some connection with Sam Darnold, but uh, yeah, Sam Darnold I think is the big winner here. Uh, and I I tried to buy him for a late 2022 first right before we started recording and got turned down. So uh, I think probably Darnold is is stock up at this point. Yeah, it really feels that way. You mentioned McCaffrey as a winner. I said Tremble, he's a good block, very good blocker yeah, for a tight yeah. end. They can move him around the formation, almost use him as a fullback. That does nothing but help uh, McCaffrey and his real upside. They also added a tackle, Brady Christensen, out of BYU early in the third round to help out that offensive line. So McCaffrey, you know, you can't really listen. He can't go up any much higher than where he is, but he should be considered a winner. 
Guys, uh, there were there are a handful other picks that are probably noteworthy. Diami Brown went early in the third round to Washington. Um, th- that pile of quarterbacks all went off the board at the end of the second and early in the third round. Is there anybody else, as far as winners and losers, Ryan, that really jumps off to you, somebody that we should be monitoring as veterans that either went up or lost some value? Yeah, there's there's a handful of wide receivers I think that that gained value as a result of of landing spot. Um, Josh Palmer with the Chargers uh, in the third round. Some were many were surprised that he was a day two pick, and uh, with Mike Williams probably in his last year with the Chargers, I like uh, I like Palmer there. Amari Rogers, I know you guys are interested in him. Uh, the Packers finally add a wide receiver there on on day two with Rodgers and I mean, say what you will about Lazard and MVS and all these other guys. Rodgers has, I think as good a chance of, as those guys of being the wide receiver two or the, the second target for Aaron Rodgers or whoever it might be. Um, and then even deeper Des Fitzpatrick, I'm on Ross St. Brown, a couple of day three picks who could see uh, opportunity immediately because of those landing spots in, in Tennessee and Detroit. Yeah, someone, someone, I heard someone say that, you know, Goff found his new Cooper Cup, and I wasn't thinking about it that way at all with Amon Ross St. Brown, but it, I, I can see it now when you look a little bit closer because, you know, Tyrell Williams, Rashad Perriman, these are not the epitome of reliability, right? So Raw has definitely some space to carve out a role there. Uh, and then you mentioned the Chargers, I would say probably bad news for. Uh, anyone who was counting on Jared Cook this year, you know, with Trey McKitty coming in and, and maybe the Donald Parham truthers too, right? Maybe have a, a, a little bit less or a little bit less excited about him this off season. So uh, I think that's, that's pretty much all I have for these, this, these last group of rookies. Yeah. I think, I think the only other one and Ryan did mention him, it was, is Amari Rogers, but the thing about him is I'm not sure that he takes away from Marquez Valdez Scantling. No. We weren't, we weren't really counting on him. He's still going to be that deep threat, though, right? And they're they're still going to get the rest of those receivers on the field. Rodgers just fills a need and, and becomes that, that player that moves around the formation and, and they try to get the ball too early. I, I could definitely see him making an impact in the second half of the season, particularly. Well, he's, but he will be, he'll be a disaster if it's not Aaron Rodgers, right? Because Jordan Love is not the timing-based quarterback that that Amari Rodgers is going to want uh, hitting him in, in the slot, right? He, he's that is not a good fit, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, he's drawn the comparisons to to my guy Randall Cobb, but uh, I mean, feels a little Ty Montgomery-ish as well. Yeah, yeah, it has a little bit of that. Montgomery did did make an impact when he was in Green Bay, though, so it shouldn't be said tongue in cheek. No, no, it was that was your intention. It was not. I'm, I mean, there was at least some you know, some rumors that Rodgers was being viewed by some teams as a running back. And obviously we know Montgomery made that switch uh, out of necessity uh, at one point in his career. Yeah. So there, there were a lot of winners or, or, or a lot of losers, I should say, and, and a few winners <laughs> when it comes to the veterans and, and how, where these guys all, all landed there. Uh, we'll see how it all shakes out. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch for sure. We have, we have so much more to cover in the coming days and, and weeks, guys. We're going we're gonna to keep analyzing this draft class and how it affects uh, everybody that we count on here in Dynasty. So um, we appreciate everybody for listening. For Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you again next